communicate uh, spiritual truth and what spiritual truth we communicate to those that we're trying to help move on toward glory along with us. Uh, so he has, uh, he divides his book on uh, between three of the main habits of grace, the word, prayer, and making use of the fellowship of the local church. And this is just an excellent, excellent book, quite practical, uh, very realistic, not like, hey, read your Bible 17 hours a day and pray for the other five. You know, so I don't think that math is right, but don't worry. Um, so you can just, uh, you can take a look at this. I'll have this up here afterwards, but a really excellent resource uh, that I would recommend uh, if you want to understand more about how can I grow in the disciplines of the Christian life. All right, well, as I said, last week we tackled intake of God's Word. Today we're going to talk about prayer in the context of intentional spiritual relationships, right? That's what we've been working toward. How do we get a theology and a practice of intentional spiritual relationships where we are rubbing up against one another, seeking to do one another good for the glory of God and the sake of Jesus Christ? So today we're going to talk about prayer, the necessity of it, how we can help one another to pray, how to encourage one another to pray effectively and according to God's will, and how we can understand to how to help one another on how God responds to prayer. Right? Prayer is one of those things that if you ask the average believer, how are you doing in evangelism, how are you doing in prayer, uh, more likely than not, our answer is not as well as I would like. And I think that's a universal reality. It's certainly universal in terms of, um, in terms of, uh, uh, my own experience. Let's talk about the necessity of prayer, which we give lip service to, but have difficulty actually wrestling to the mat. You know, we need to remember that the ultimate goal of discipling, the ultimate goal of intentional spiritual relationships, is that we would encourage one another to greater fellowship with God and greater personal holiness that glorifies God. Which means we need to be helping one another to love, know, and obey God. And that, brothers and sisters, cannot happen apart from prayer. It just absolutely cannot happen apart from prayer. Think about what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3. What then is Paul? What is Apollos? Servants through whom we be, you, be, you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. And so you th- think about that. Even Paul is realizing that he is not the one who's bringing spiritual good into the lives of the Corinthians. We cannot ultimately achieve the results that we seek. Do you understand that? You want to see your friend grow in holiness. You can't make that happen. You can't make it happen in your spouse. You can't make it happen in your children. You can't make it happen in your friend. Right? We speak into one another's lives, but ultimately, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So, Does that mean we should stop seeking to be intentional? By no means. What it does mean is that we labor in ministry with one another. And then we go away and we ask 
the Lord to cause the growth that we can't actually cause ourselves, right? We are not the Holy Spirit Jr. The Holy Spirit is the one who is at work and who must work both in us and in one another. So the preeminent point here is that without prayer, without prayer, you don't have any assurance that your attempts to encourage and be intentional with your friend will succeed. The number one thing that I can do for someone I'm ministering to is to pray for them on a regular basis. Would you say you would believe that experientially? That you think, when you think of helping someone else in our body, that the number one thing that you can do for them is not take care of their material needs, important as that is, not, not actually get lots of time with them. It's to pray for them regularly. If everything else from today goes out the window in your minds after today, after today, but that idea sticks, the most important thing you can do for someone you love is to pray for them. We need to encourage one another to pray regularly. That needs to actually be part, though, of our ministry to one another, is the encouragement of one another to be in prayer. Let's look at Jesus as the ultimate example of the necessity of prayer. Because if we get it into our heads that it was necessary for Jesus to pray, then By extension, isn't it obvious that it's necessary for us to pray? So we have Jesus' own teaching. One of my favorite parables is the parable of the widow and the unrighteous judge. Do you remember that? It's from Luke 18. And it says that Jesus told this parable to his disciples so that they would always pray and not lose heart. Right? Because the reality is that it's easy to lose heart as we wait for God to work. It's easy to say, I don't know what God's doing, but it seems like things are moving slower than I want. And he says, no. Here's a parable that will help you to pray and not lose heart. And he tells this story, right? The widow needs justice. The unrighteous judge doesn't want to give her justice. The widow comes every day, every day, every day asking for justice. And the unrighteous judge says, even though I don't fear God, even though I don't respect man, but because this widow bothers me, I will give her justice. And Jesus says, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not the Lord bring aid to his elect speedily? Right? God is not like the unrighteous judge in the parable. He loves justice and loves to bring good to his people. But just as the unrighteous judge, even an unrighteous judge, if you bother him, will eventually work for your good, how much more so will your heavenly Father who loves you gladly be bothered as you consistently persist in prayer? And then Jesus closes the parable with an odd statement. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And you see the connection between faith and persistent prayer. One of the marks of faith is 
persistence in prayer. So Jesus tells us we must pray and not lose heart. What is Jesus' model for prayer? The Lord's Prayer. And I think, brothers and sisters, that we could be well served if we see the Lord's Prayer not just as the prayer that we pray on Sunday morning or at other times, which is excellent to do and a practice I love, but if we see the Lord's Prayer as the framework through which we should run our petitions, through which we should run our prayers, which doesn't mean that every prayer I make has to be able to be subsumed under one of the six petitions of the Lord's Prayer. But when Jesus is teaching, they, they come to him and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And his response is this. So if we want to be taught by the Lord Jesus to pray, it means, now let's, let's break the Lord's Prayer apart, phrase by phrase. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What is that a prayer for? Say, go ahead. I heard someone, but I didn't see who it was. Oh, you were mumbling. Okay, mumble louder. God's glory. God's name being honored and glorified. That is a very, very, that's where he tells us to start. To pray for the glory of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is that praying for? That God's purposes would come to pass. Not that my purposes would come to pass, but that God's purposes would come to pass and that his will would be done here on the earth. Okay, So he starts us out orienting us toward God's kingdom as that which is to be on our hearts and on our lips. So if we just take that and you think through, this isn't, this isn't designed to make anyone feel bad, but if you think through what you tend to pray for, how much of it is centered and starts and is grounded in, Lord Jesus, may your kingdom come and may your will be done. And may your Father's name be hallowed. It's just a grid to run our prayers through. And as our prayers align more and more with the Lord's Prayer, I think we'll be helped. Then we go, he goes on, give us this day our daily bread. What is that talking about? Daily provision. Daily provision. And what can fall under that category? Many things. All the circumstances of my life. Right? It's only one of six, but it's a biggie. But it is interesting that it's only one of six. Everything connected to the circumstances of my life can be summarized by give me this day my daily bread. Do I need help with my kids? Do I need help putting food on the table? Do I need help that my car with my car? Do I need help with uh, the laundry? Do I need help? Not like everything connected to my circumstances fits under. Give us this day our daily bread. And notice that it's not give us bread for ten years from now, or from five years from now, or next week. Give me today what I need. And you need a lot. And I need a lot. So there's a lot that can be said here. 
But interestingly, it is one of six. Three already dealing with the kingdom, one dealing with my circumstantial needs, and then what are the two remaining ones? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. Right? And that is all manner of my growth into someone who's holy and protection from the evil one. Right? So my physical needs go in the middle. I mean, I'm not saying this has to be your order, right? But it's interesting. Three prayers for God's kingdom. A prayer for my circumstantial needs and then two prayers for my growing in, to be a righteous and holy person and for my spiritual protection. Oh, yes. For, uh, sorry. Yeah, because the second two are together. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. I broke that one up into two and it's really one. Right? Forgiveness of sins and growth in, in holiness and protection from the evil. All right, that ought to be a framework through which we can pray. If our prayers look nothing like that, we ought to just take pause. That doesn't mean they're bad. It just means as we seek to pray, and as we seek to pray for others, is this the framework? Like, what are you fundamentally praying, say, those of you who are parents, for your children? Is it for their success in this world? Give them this day our daily bread. Or is it forgive them their debts? Lead them not into temptation. Deliver them from the evil one. Right? So we ought to be leaning our prayers. When you go to home group, what kind of things do you tend to ask for prayer for? Is it for circumstantial prayers that largely impact this life? Someone's physical, physical health is probably the biggest one. Do I not want us to pray for people's physical health? I absolutely want us to pray for people's physical health. But is that, is that the main emphasis of the Lord's Prayer? And would that be the primary thing that I would be wanting to spend the bulk of my time interceding before the Lord with? So, by all means, we do. We pray for material needs. We pray for physical needs. But... Our kingdom needs are much greater. And God's vision for his kingdom is what he wants us to have as our focus. All right, obviously, this then leads us to why Jesus prayed. Why did Jesus pray? Why did God the Son incarnate pray? Not rhetorical. Okay, to give us an example. To rejuvenate his spirit. Was that necessary? Yeah. Why was it necessary? Why was it necessary that Jesus pray? Why was it necessary that he pray all night, at least three times that we know of? Why was it necessary that he, in the days of his flesh, offers up supplications and tears with loud crying. He's fully man. And his prayers had a particular focus. In the days of his flesh, this is Hebrews, Hebrews 5, 7, in the days of his flesh, he 
prayed with loud crying and tears, lamentations, to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. So the focus of Jesus' prayers is that knowing that God intended for him to go to the cross was that God would raise him from the dead. And everything that attends that, right? And he does that with grief. He does that with dependence. He does that with longing. He does that over the course of a long period of time, right? I'm sure that entailed everything with, Lord, help me to set my face like Flint to Jerusalem because this is very intimidating. Okay, God answers it. He sets his face like Flint toward Jerusalem. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you, right? So all along the way, Jesus is is directing his prayers toward the res- his, re- his own resurrection and all of the good that's going to flow from that. Jesus had to pray. Jesus had to pray. And the answer of his father's prayers was that his father did raise him from the dead. But that was a blessing that Jesus, as the, as the God-man, received as a result of his prayers. See, Jesus didn't say, all these things are promised. I know this is going to turn out well. Right? I know the ending. It's good. So I don't need to pray. God's already put promises in place. No, he takes those promises and he activates them, realizing that it is necessary for him to receive them by him asking for them. And in the same way, I would argue with you, brothers and sisters, the promises that you have for you to grow in Christ, for others to grow in Christ, all the blessings that God actually promises, the good things that God will bring to us, he actually expects for us to receive them through the means of us praying for them and him answering those prayers. Promises don't mean you don't have to pray. Promises are the... Are the um, give us the hope that we need to do the praying that we need to do. If it was necessary for Jesus to pray, it's certainly necessary for you and I to pray. And of course, as we look through the epistles, again and again and again, we're enjoined to pray. Prayer is essential, not superfluous. All right, well, if prayer is necessary and not superfluous, how do we help one another to pray? How do I help you? How do you help me? How do we help one another to pray? Well, number one, we encourage prayer through modeling. The context in which Jesus' disciples came and asked him to teach them to pray was the fact that they saw him praying. His prayers were the, were the, were the impetus for them to say, we need you to teach us how to do what you do. How you relate to the Father is how we want to relate to the Father. Teach us to pray. So we model it for one another. If you actually spend time praying with your friend, your friend will hear how you pray. And if, again, you're in a situation where you're a little ahead of your friend, right? if this is one of those situations where you're helping a friend who you're farther in Christ than they are, right? then your prayers and your modeling of prayer will help your friend Learn how to pray. Now, let's think about it. Let's think about how the elders, in a particular context, Sunday morning, are modeling for you how to pray. What do you hear the pastoral, during the pastoral prayer when one of the elders stands up and prays? What sorts of things do you hear them pray for? This should not be lots of silence here. These are just hopefully these. Just spin them out. What are some of the things you hear? 
missions. We, we try and remember to pray every week for one of our missions partners. Needs in the body. What kind of needs? Spiritual needs and physical needs. That the word of God would be proclaimed with power. Usually we're doing that right before the sermon and we pray for the ministry of the word that's going to happen right then and there. Government. Government. Yeah, we pray for our governing authorities that we may lead a simple and quiet life in all dignity. Other local churches, because we want the gospel to go out not just from a redeeming grace, but from all the gospel-proclaiming churches in the area today. We want people saved in Georgia Plain Baptist Church today. We want people saved up in St. Albans at Trinity Press, etc., etc., etc. What other things other than petitions do, do you hear the elders pray for? Prayers of praise to God. Yeah. Hallowed be your name. Right? Tim, you look, you had that look. Confession of sin. We confess our sins corporately. Sometimes we confess them individually. One helpful acronym that a lot of our, our, our prayers go through is as ACTS, Acts, Adoration, Confession. Thanksgiving, supplication, A-C-T-S. That's kind of an ordered logic there. First, we adore God for who he is. That causes us to confess our sins. That causes us to thank him for his blessings, especially his salvation blessings. And then we supplicate. We ask him for the things we need. All right. Do we pray for evangelistic encounters? Mm-hmm. Do we pray for people who are going through life transitions? Right? There's all sorts of all sorts of those bodies. So if you pray with your friend, that you guys are sharpening one another to, to work at praying for things that are in accordance with God's will. Alright. Then so prayer through modeling, prayer, encouraging prayer through instruction and encouragement. That can be, like, again, I'm thinking now about how you, with a friend, work at, at moving forward in prayer together. Sharing prayer requests and agreeing to pray for one another, right? So you can pray for one another when you're apart because you've shared with one another one's needs. And that allows you to pray for one another while you're apart. Remind yourself of your membership vows. Remember, one of our vows that we have to, to one another that we make when we join into covenant membership is that we're there for one another in the body, including to pray for them. It's something you signed up to do when you became a member. <laughs> you can model good prayer by following up with your friend midweek. Let's say you meet on Saturdays for breakfast, right? Well, Wednesday, you can text each other and say, how's it going? How have things been with prayer and interceding for people? You can... Challenge your friend, challenge yourself to set aside time to pray each day. When your friend goes through a major decision, you're encouraging them to spend that time in prayer. Spend time in prayer, seeking God's wisdom in that situation. One book that we use, again, it's another on-mission book, is A a Call to Spiritual Reformation, Praying with Paul, uh, which goes through the prayers that Paul prays for the churches. 
in order that our prayers might be more shaped with the things that are on. If, if something's on the Apostle Paul's heart and he wants to spend time praying for it, isn't that a pretty good sign that you and I ought to be wanting some of those things? Yeah, yeah. So our, our heart begins to be shaped by scriptural prayers, and that allows... So you can be working through something like a, a book on that, or you could work yourselves through habits of grace with one another and have that be working to uh, increase your passion for prayer. Uh, sorry, I thought I'd say on the hand. Okay, how about, let's go to the middle. How about helping one another to pray regularly and faithfully? Well, here's just some things that you can be working on, both in yourself and, and helping a, f- a friend with. You know, making plans to pray. Making plans to pray. We likely will not pray unless we plan to pray. Setting aside time during the day to pray. Setting aside time with it encouraging a friend to set aside time to do likewise, asking how things are going, asking how times in prayer are going. Right? You can be helping them and helping yourself with mental drift. How do you avoid mental drift in prayer? Right? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're either lying or you don't know what you're... You know, or, 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 no, what happens? You know, you're what? Or you're not praying. <laughs> right? You know? If I can, if I can, if I could pray for three minutes without having, you know, my mind going, you know, three minutes—that's really long, isn't it? If I could pray for forty-five seconds without my no, how to avoid mental drift? So uh, here's something you can work with, work through with a friend. How about working at speaking aloud in prayer and journaling? That might be something that would be helpful to you. Actually, talking out loud, even if you're alone, right? You're not alone. You're with the Lord, right? Journaling. Some, who, who, sorry, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who actually likes to journal as a context for prayer? Okay, a few. I have done it. I haven't been so helped by it that I've continued with it. But, but some people really find that helpful. Pray through others' written prayers, like Valley of Vision. Like that's often what our, our confessions of sin come from. I love Valley of Vision. So helpful. Um, praying through the Lord's Prayer. Right? Actually taking time to pray through the petitions of the Lord. Pray through our membership directory. We're coming out with a new photo directory next week. Come on now. Come on now. Thank you to Mary Margaret. Thank you to Angel. Uh, so do you know what the Larsons do? Which we, We've done something similar, but we haven't instituted it the same way. I love this. They took all the entries in the directory and made a popsicle stick for each one and put it in a jar. And in their times of family devotions... Or family prayer, which I'm sure Eric would say is as frequently as he really wants his ideal, right? (laughs) What they do is everyone takes a popsicle stick out of the jar. And then, lo and behold, it says, Josiah and Holly Raish. And that person prays for Josiah and Holly Raish. What if that person doesn't know Josiah and Holly Raish? Like, if I'm I'm doing that with my family, well, Miriam would know who Josiah and Holly Raish. Go ahead. Oh, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. You don't, if you don't know them, then that's just a, a sign that the Lord didn't want you. No, obviously it's a spur toward you getting to know that person. A spur to getting to know that person. By the way, if you don't... A goal for the directory, this is not prayer. A goal for the directory, find the people in the directory next week who you don't know and make some kind of plan to start working at how am I going to go and, and find them and actually meet, meet them so that I know their name and I know their face. 
goals. Life goals. All right. Praying through the membership directory. What if you and a friend, what if you and someone in your home group just got, and all you did when you got together on a, for prayer was you prayed through one side, those three, and this side, those three, and you prayed for those six households. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Sometimes the elders at elder retreats, we take the directories. Usually, I think we do this, is we take the directories and we manage and we go through and we pray for every single person, every single household in the directory. All right. Pray with other Christians. So we, we need to develop our, our habits of prayer alone, and we need to develop our habits of prayer with other Christians. And frankly, I tend to think that developing habits of prayer with other Christians will feed, tend to feed, um, habits of private prayer. All right, how do you, what contexts are there to pray with other Christians? Well, individual, right? You and another guy. You and another gal. You and your wife. You and your husband. You and your roommate. Okay? Set aside times to, to meet with people simply to pray. You guys got to keep me accountable to this. I have, I, I, t- I think I told you, Gagnon is gone on vacation for a month, the stinker, and he's my assistant home group leader, and we're going to spend time over the phone praying for the people in our home group because he can't, he, we're not, he's not near one of us. So I got to get on the stick this week and actually uh, give him a call. But you're, you're praying together for people. You can hold one another accountable to regular prayer. I think that happens. I think there's some, some, of the, some little huddles of ladies that do something like that. They either get together to pray or they get together to talk about you know, how they can be praying for one another. Pray in home group, right? We often have a, a, a prayer component. Ideally, we have a home group, a prayer component in every home group. Now, let me ask you this. Some of you, some of you have difficulty praying in a home group context or in any kind of public context. That is understandable. That's really understandable. But let me encourage you to work to fight that hesitancy. Let's talk about why someone might have a hesitancy to pray in a public context, even with a small group. Pray out loud so that other people can hear. What are some reasons why someone might be hesitant to do that? Other, pray, other people pray better than I do. Fantastic. Right? So I feel sub, self-conscious because I know that I'm not as fluent in the language of prayer as others, etc. Okay, how do we fight that? How do we fight that? Why, why, why should that be a voice that is not listened to? Colin. You should practice prayer if you expect to be good at it. Okay, so the, the idea that we, we, if, something, if we want to get good at something, we actually need to practice it. What's another reason? Sonia. You Okay, yeah, so it just might be the, the, the anxiousness of, of doing something that other people are listening to. You might forget, you might, you know. And, and the, the thing to help that is to remember that everyone in your home group is really mean and ready to, and ready to pounce. That will help. Okay. Are, you, are others edified if you pray, even if you find that your prayers are 
if you're still new at this or still unpracticed. What about, the, what about the, a more spiritual thing? I'm afraid or I don't want to pray in public because that will be practicing my righteousness before men. And it's, it's not as good to pray in public because I'm not, because that's praying to other people or praying for the glory of other people. How do you, what about that? Is that a reason not to pray with others? If not, why not? Jesus spends a lot of time in praying in public. So that's one thing that just takes that off the table. It, just because something can be done badly doesn't mean it will be done badly. That's great. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you feel like by going forward in prayer, you would be in sin because you know your heart's not right, yeah, then refrain. But if, you, but if you're like, I'm working through this, I'm, work, I'm working to make sure that I'm praying for the glory of God, not for the, not for the approval of the people in my home group or whatever, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. If you sin in the process, you can confess that. <laughs> you know? but, but don't, you know, and, and, and people are like, well, why on earth would we pray in public? You know, we're praying to God. Not to other people. Why even? Pray? Why do we pray out loud to, with one another? We're praying to God. Why shouldn't we all just do that individually? Why have a conversation where people are overhearing? We're not praying to them, but they are blessed by our by what we pour out in our hearts. Exactly. So let me ask you a question. If you, if you never pray at home group, if you never pray at home group, can I encourage you to talk to somebody in your home group, doesn't have to be your leader or whatever, and talk about how to work through your own particular hang-ups in order to begin so that you can pray with other people, so that they can be blessed and you can be blessed. BJ? Yeah, you said awesome stuff. No. Is this communal? It's deeply communal, as all of the Christian life is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which isn't to say that Jesus doesn't highly value prayer by yourself. Yes, he prayed. Yeah. So, but Jesus' example shows us that prayer is both individual and communal. If this is something that's not anywhere on your radar, I encourage you to check what's going on there. If this isn't anything on your radar, check what's going on here. Okay. 
we got to move forward a little quicker. Praying in your household, right? How are you going to teach your children how to pray? If you have children, if you're a parent, are, are you going to be able to teach them to pray without you praying with them? Of course, of course not. Is prayer part of your routine with them? At some level. And are you teaching them? That's one of the things I love about the popsicle stick uh, thing is that you're teaching them to pray for the body. You know, you're, the, you're teaching them to know and pray for God's people. Uh, but pray with your children. Pray with your household. Pray with your spouse. That can be difficult sometimes. Praying with your spouse, especially if there's friction, right? That can, you know, if there's currently friction, it's kind of hard to pray with them. Because you're worried you're going to start praying at them instead of praying for them, right? Anyone ever have that happen, right? So you have so, but that is a sign to work things out, not a sign not to pray with them, right? So be in the habit of praying. Let your spouse hear your heart and what's on your heart. Uh, some other some other ideas: praying through the scriptures. This is what we do at men's prayer times. By the way, I forgot to uh, critically men's prayer. Men's prayer, women's prayer, once a month on Mondays, men's prayer, uh, uh, every other Thursday. Fantastic, fantastic times. One of the things we do during that for the men is we actually take a psalm, Mike leads us in a psalm, and we pray through that psalm, and we're using the scripture's words as the, you know, you're having to figure out, what do I pray for, Lord? Open your Bible, take the passage either that you're reading or take a psalm or something, and pray through what's going on in the psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your diseases and heals all your iniquities. And now suddenly you have about ten things to pray for, just in those verses, as you pray those back to God, using God's word to speak to God. Pray through the scripture. There's this this little phrase, I don't know where it comes from, pray until you pray, which means that, BG, do you know where that phrase comes from? That's, Uh, it's an old proof, yeah. The idea being that sometimes it takes a while to get in the mode and before you really are... It doesn't mean that you... It doesn't mean that it's useless if you're not getting into that, but in terms of coming before the Lord and being in deep communion with Him, praying until you... Sometimes praying and pushing past all the stuff. Pray until you pray. All right, uh, let's quickly go over overcoming excuses for prayerlessness. I'm too busy to pray. No, not if you have, probably not if you have one of those apps that tells you how much time you spend on your phone or on your device. Probably would give the lie to that. We're not too busy to pray. We don't prioritize it. I'm too spiritually dry to pray. No, not necessarily, but one, it might be because you're not praying, but where does a thirsty man need to go? To the fountain of living waters, right? So it may, it may take more time for someone who's spiritually dry. It might take more time, more, more waiting to get to that posture, but you know, in a dry and weary land that, where there is no water, my soul, long, my soul longs for you. I feel no need to pray. That, I think, is actually true of more of us than we want to admit, because if we felt the need to pray, we would pray. So our 
lack of prayer actually represents a certain amount of the, the story of the of the woman on the ship in the storm who says to the the captain says, you know, she says to the captain, how bad is it, captain? And he says, madam, we all need to go to prayer. And she says, oh, surely, captain, it's not as bad as all that. Right? Meaning we go to God because of our desperate need. We often don't feel that desperate need, and therefore we don't pray. Forgetting that at every moment the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Right? We are desperate. We are needy. I'm too bitter to pray. Yes. Yes, that can be a thing. You're not working through relational conflict or tension. You're not working through your disappointments and hurts that you have with the Lord. That's, an, that's, that's a matter for repentance, not for staying away from the Lord. Men especially... Remember, Peter warns us to live with our wives in an understanding way, giving them honor as the fellow uh, heir of the grace of life, lest your prayers be hindered. So our relationship with our wives actually impacts our relationship in prayer, with God in prayer. I'm too ashamed to pray, right? Whether it's because of recent sin or long-standing, long things that fill me with shame, And the answer to that is to go back to the gospel and to go back to the reality that God knows and sees all. All things are open and laid bare before the all-seeing eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God already knows. You're not telling him anything that he doesn't know. And there's grace available in Jesus Christ. Go to him. God doesn't seem to answer when I pray. Well... That has, to, um, that has to be worked through as we understand what does it mean for God to answer prayer. And next week, this is, this is going to be, we're going to take two weeks on prayer. And that is going to be some of what we're going to talk about next time, is how do we understand how God answers prayer? What does it look like for him to answer prayer? What do we think answered prayer tends to look like? And what he tends to think of as answered prayer is a little bit different. So we're going to go into that next week and talk, as you can see on the sheet, understanding how God responds to prayer and how to encourage one another to pray effectively. But let me just say this. James says to us, we have not because we ask not. (laughs) To the extent that that's true, what are we leaving on the table? What are we leaving on the table with respect to the blessings that God has available to us? Say what? Our will, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, that was a rhetorical question, so I don't, now I've got to think through how you answered my question. Um, we have to leave, we have to, yes, we have to leave our will and submit ourselves to God's will. That's, that's a critical piece, and that's what we'll, we'll look at more significantly. So we'll look at some questions about the theology of prayer. But at the end of the day, if we have not because we ask not, what, what are we not seeing because we're not asking? Do we wish to be moved forward as a church and individually? Do we wish to see the conversion of sinners? Do we wish to see the building up of the saints? Do we wish to see churches planted? Do we wish to see the gospel go throughout the world? Okay. All right, let's pray, and then we will hear the word. 
and praise God and do all sorts of wonderful things, including pray in the worship service. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for these brothers and sisters. I want to thank you for your, your great mercy, which is available to all who put their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. Lord, I want to thank you for, for the, the fact that you are full of grace, that you have blessings stored up for your people, that we may come confidently and boldly to the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and grace to help us in time of need. Lord, help us to see our need, see the essential reality that prayer is essential, and let us be a people who are much in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.